You're listening Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. I'm Travis Harrison. I'm excited to bring you another segment titled Connecting with Coaches. On this episode, I'm honored to have Coach Leonard Epps joining the show. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, man, I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that you uh, had me a part of the show. Well, do you mind starting by sharing a little bit of your background and where you grew up? Yeah, man, it's a long one. Kind of been all around. I'm originally from Lexington, Kentucky. Sorry, I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, spent a lot of time in Lexington. Kind of started there and moved out to Nebraska, and that's just kind of where I got my coaching start. So I started out there in Nebraska, and then I had an opportunity to go play professionally. And then I came back from playing, and uh, somebody came up with a crazy idea for me to start a program from scratch. And, you know, me and my family uh, went out to Montana, Billings, Montana. We was out there for three years. We put the program from scratch. Uh, I mean, from scratch, I mean, it was it was everything. We, As far as the logos, the colors, and, I mean, I mean literally everything. And so we did that. Uh, we got there for three years, and, uh, then we moved to uh, just a suburb of, of Dallas in Wasaki, Texas, and we were there for two years, and we, we spent our time there at SAGU. Then I took over the program at Champion Christian College in Hot Springs, Arkansas, where I felt like we had some, you know, a lot of success. You know, we set a record for wins in the season, and we did a lot of great things there. And then I, then I made my way to Georgia. Uh, we was up in North Georgia for two years, and you know, now and down here at South Georgia now, here at Bruton Parker. And so, as I said, we've kind of been all over the country, and uh, we're just we're just blessed and happy to be here right now, here, you know, here at Bruton Parker. You played a little football in high school, Coach. When did it become clear to you that basketball was the sport for you and the one that you would continue to pursue? I would think at an early age, um, I always knew that basketball was something that I was gifted with. And, you know just from growing up with my friends and, and and my mom always keeping me involved in sports, it was just something that I've always wanted to do. So I wouldn't say that it took me long or, I, or it was something that came around late. You know, I was one of those type of kids, kind of like my son now, you know, talking talking to myself. Uh, you know, we've got three seconds on the clock, you know, counting down, and I'm always hitting the game winner. And if I, if I miss a shot, then somehow somebody magically got fouled or something. So I, I've always been playing out these uh, these basketball you know scenarios and situations in my head. And so basketball's always been a part of my life. I think it's just uh, fitting that it's been something that I can uh, support my family by doing. Well, when did you realize you know you wanted to be a coach? And was there something or someone that you know kind of contributed to that? I would say when I was overseas, I, I was playing. And I had the opportunity to, to coach a team as well. And the team that I coached over there was a it was a 19 year old team that I coached, and that was one of my responsibilities while while I was playing. And so uh, I pretty much just I ran every single thing that we ran from college, <laughs> and man, I got those guys believing and, and winning and playing playing American basketball, and I kind of got the bug there where it was like, man, I love doing this. I know I'm here playing, and but the time that I get a chance to spend with these kids and they're all locked in on me and my life and wanting to learn more, I think that gave me a, an advantage to use that platform to kind of, you know, spread the gospel, spread my knowledge of the game, and then just further them uh, in their walk as a basketball player uh, and, a, and as a Christian. And so 
uh, it was it was over there when I was over in Germany playing for sure. Well, that's great. It was such a good experience for you. Were there any challenges that you faced over there, or maybe you know just the differences of playing and coaching versus what it's like here in the states? I would say the biggest thing, obviously, it's I mean, you know, uh, the language barrier. You know, sometimes when you have kids, you know, that don't really know English, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know German like that. Uh, the English that they knew were all from movies, and so uh, sometimes they would say things, and I'm like, that doesn't go in this sentence. Uh, you, you know, that that was an action movie, and you just, yeah, you just misused that phrase. That was the biggest thing, you know, that was the biggest hurdle was just the language barrier, but basketball is basketball, and I think uh, once we got on the same accord, you know, basketball-wise, I think it all, it all kind of fit. Well, getting to play ball overseas, you know, also allowed you to meet your lovely wife, who is German. Do you mind sharing how you guys met and started dating? It's actually, it's not even an international uh, basketball experience of mine. Like, I, she, she was a foreign exchange student in Kentucky. Okay. And... You know, it was kind of one of those things. I'm old enough to remember when social media started. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I saw her at a football game, and it's like right when social media started. And I was like, man, I want to I wanna speak to her. I want to get to know her. But I wasn't I, – maybe I wasn't brave enough to go up and talk to her. So uh reached out to her uh, via social media, MySpace at that time. I don't know if you know about that. But, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of how we started. And – Man, we've—I've known her now for—I don't know—probably close to close to twenty years. And when I had an opportunity to go and play overseas, she was actually here in the states, but she was heading back to Germany. And so we had started dating while she was here, and uh, that kind of—it kind of looked like it was taking a turn because I was leaving and I was going—I was going to Germany, and I was like, "Man, I'm going to where you're from." Mm-hmm. And I think it was time for her contract to be up. And she was like, well, I'm going back. And so we were able to continue dating and, you know, kind of the rest is history. We're actually getting ready to celebrate our 10th year anniversary um, coming up in January. So it's been a blessing. Nice. Well, congratulations on that. And you guys have two beautiful children, Malia and Jaden. Both are following in your footsteps as they seem to have a love for basketball while also playing soccer and football. How fun has it been as a parent just to see them succeed on the court and on the field? Man, it's uh it's a blessing for sure. I feel like I just try to be as a you know, as a father, you know, a lot of things that were kinda missing in my in my upbringing. You know, my dad wasn't always around. And so I just wanna make sure that they know dad loves them. Dad's gonna be a part of everything that he possibly can. Uh, and you know, me and my wife were always there at soccer games, football games. Sometimes we have to split because games are at the same time. Sometimes my wife will do first quarter of the football game, and then she'll do uh, second period of the soccer game, and we'll kind of uh, switch off that way. That way, we can make sure that both kids know that they're supported. Sure. Um, but you know, we love we love the fact that they're doing multiple sports, and you know, we don't want them to feel like they have to go into basketball because dad's a basketball coach. Now uh, I definitely do love the fact that they love playing basketball because obviously that's my sport. That's what I coach. But at the same time, they can, they can want to be a scientist and I'm going to love them and I'm going to, you know, make sure that they, you know, have that support in that too. So I just love the fact that they are, 
energetic and, you know, lively mm-hmm. kids that want to be active. And, you know, we just want to support that. Well, I remember being in Hot Springs together at the community center, and you had them doing ball handling drills at a young age. I was very impressed with how good they were already, and that's only going to put them ahead of the game, as most kids, you know, don't usually start doing that stuff till later on. Man, you know what's crazy? My son and my daughter can do more things with the basketball than I could when I was 15 years old. <laughs> I think I really didn't, you know, as far as the basics and all that type of stuff, I didn't get an opportunity to to work on that stuff with somebody when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things that they can do with their left hand, like ball handling. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, you're talking about uh, my son is seven and my daughter is nine. Man, I'm amazed. But I'm also amazed at the fact that they love it so much. I was just outside uh, last night with my son and I'm watching him do moves that I didn't teach him. <laughs> they love it so much that they're going to be watching YouTube videos of different different basketball players and then go out and they try to do stuff that, you know, they just imitate what they see. And, and so I think that's a fun part of it, too, because that's just, you know, that to me shows the pure love of the game. And, you know, dad is not putting it in them and I'm not trying to force them to follow my footsteps or anything like that, but they truly do it because they love it. And so I just love to see the individual growth in each one of them. And it's not it's not coming from me. What was that like, you know, assisting at the same college that you had you had played at? Oh, man, that was different. <laughs> that was different because, uh, you know, a uh, year before I was just I was in a jersey. Yeah. You know, I was running out. I was running out of the locker room with those guys. And uh, a lot of my a lot of my teammates were now my players that I'm coaching and that I'm trying to help win games. And so. Uh, like, you know, Coach Ellison that's over at um, Champion, on, you know, on the women's side, mm-hmm. we were teammates. But in one year, I became his coach, and yeah. I became somebody that was in some type of leadership role. I wasn't ready at all to be a coach. I think, I think my head coach just, he wanted me around, and he gave me a minimal role. I was more so like the hype guy and just kind of trying to be you know, an extra set of eyes. And I think, you know, those those, those type of experiences are invaluable just because uh, you get a chance to see that there's more behind the scenes that's going on than just what you see as a player. And so very appreciative of that stage in my, in my career just because it is where I got my start and, you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have that opportunity. Well, you already kind of mentioned, you know, at Yellowstone Christian College in Billings, Montana, you were not only the head coach, but the athletic director, and you built that program from scratch. Can you kind of share that experience and the challenges of building a program from the ground up? Yeah, I always tell everybody. I've had a couple people that reached out to me and, you know, that are building programs and, and that type, type of stuff. They'll reach out and say, hey, you know, what did you do here? What did you do there? And I, I tell them. You may want to you may want to talk to somebody else because anything that could go wrong, it did go wrong. And but you know, I laugh about that just because I feel like there is no better way to learn than learning on the job. You know, uh, we didn't have staff, we didn't have a, a, a huge budget or anything like that. And so, you know, I joke all the time about you know whenever we had a women's program going, or even when it was just a men's program, you know, pregame. We didn't have any. We didn't have enough staff to, to even cover the gates, you know, to work the concessions. And so, you know, I remember times where, you know, I have I would have a table set up where I'm taking I'm taking gates, 
and I have concessions going right there. So, you know, you can, it's a one-stop shop. You get a chance to meet the head coach, meet the athletic director, <laughs> buy you a, buy, you know, buy you a soda, buy you a, you know, a candy and pay for the game, wow. uh, you know, all in one. And so, you know, I'm doing all of that type of stuff, but I think, again, that's a valuable experience just because you get a chance to see all the ins and outs. Uh, but also, you get a chance to see, you know, all all things that can go wrong, and so for them to not go wrong, you know, and you know, in, in some of my next opportunities, like when I was at the director at Champion, I tried to make sure that I avoided some of those pitfalls that I kind of fell into when I was at uh, Yellowstone. So it was a great experience, but uh, I tell everybody, if you if you don't have to create a program, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then next up, you were the assistant coach at Southwest Assemblies of God University in Texas, which is NAIA Division One. What was your experience like there, and what things did you accomplish while on the coaching staff? Man, it was it was crazy to go from Yellowstone, you know, where somebody entrusted me with a you know building a program and a very very small campus and not many resources and you know just not having a lot to go to a powerhouse NAIA program that was on a national stage that had multiple all Americans and we're coming in, we're taking over and the expectations are high. And yes, they have all the bells and whistles. They have, you know, they pretty much have everything that you need, you know, multiple places to eat on campus, uh, multiple gyms on campus. Uh, I mean, you know, at that point, uh, before I had gotten there, I wasn't working on scholarships and to get there and to know that we can now offer athletic scholarships. It was kind of like, it was a whirlwind. And so, yeah, we got there and, you know, I was kind of blown away. My wife was blown away. You know, I actually ended up getting my master's uh, from SAGU. And so I am a proud alum of SAGU. You know, I'm still a huge fan. My, you know, my mentor is still a head coach there. So I watched them plenty of times. Uh, but we, we accomplished a great deal. You know, right when we got there uh, that first year, we ended up winning the conference, going to the national tournament, uh, won – I don't know, what was it, 20, 24 games or something like that. Had had a couple All-Americans, had freshman of the year, all-conference players. We actually had that in, in both of the years that I was there. And so my time there, was it was a very successful one. I think we ended up winning over 40 games in, in my time there in those, in those two years. And so I was, I'm definitely appreciative of, of my time there at SAG. I thought, I thought it taught me a lot. And one of the main reasons, uh, Travis, I just wanted to point on uh, the fact, you know, the reason why I went there. My coach did offer me the opportunity to come there, but I do feel like I was missing something. When I was the head coach and I, I was taking a lot of licks up there just because it was like the blind leading the blind. I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like there was a lot that I was missing. And so going back and taking time to be an assistant and learn how to do things the right way and see how our program is ran, I think I really needed to do that. So it was kind of like a reset for me uh, when I went back to Sagu, and I thought I thought it really uh, benefited, you know, benefited me in the long run. Well, then you became the head coach at Champion Christian College in Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is where we met. You quickly turned that program around, managed to lead the conference in scoring and claim the number one seed in the tournament. What did you take away from your time at Champion? I really took away, like, me finding my identity. I was trying to find my identity. I think everything that I had been doing up until then, I was just imitating my, my head coach. And 
I said, you know what? When I was at SAGU, I, I had the itch to become a head coach again, and, and I got an opportunity. I was blessed to get an opportunity to come and, you know, change, change and turn things around there at Champion. And I said, when I did that, I said, you know what? I got to do it my way. You know, I got to do it my way. I got to run my own stuff. I got to I gotta play the way that I want to play uh, because I talk to my best friend uh, all the time about, you know, we get this opportunity. Uh, we say we wanted to be head coaches. When you get that opportunity, why do it like anybody else other than yourself? And so I said, I'm going to take full advantage. I'm going to do it my way. If I fail, I fail, but at least I did it my way. And so that's the biggest thing that I take out of it. That was a huge part of my growth is just having the opportunity to go there, you know, do things my way. And, you know, I think we had a lot of success. Um, you know, it didn't turn out the way that we wanted to turn out, but uh, we did have a lot of success there. We won a lot of games, and we had a lot of good times. Again, you know, we produced All-American, uh, All-Conference guys, all that type of stuff. I think I've been pretty pretty fortunate in my career to – every year so far in my, in my career, we've, we've had an All-American or All-Conference players and some sort. So uh, I've been very fortunate that way. Well, after you headed to after champion, you headed to Georgia, took the reins as head men's basketball coach for Tacoa Falls College. That first season started off a little slow, but you gained some momentum down the stretch, even during Coach of the Year honors. You went into the tournament as a seven seed, which I know you love the underdog role. Well, you upset team after team, made it all the way to the championship before unfortunately falling to the number one seed on a buzzer beater. You had to be extremely proud, though, of that group of guys for never giving up and just continuing to fight. I really wanted that national tournament. You know, I, I, I think I won't ever let that, uh, that, you know, that buzzer beater down. You know, we worked, we worked extremely hard to come there and to get guys to buy into who I am. I think that was the first time uh, that I had an opportunity to really build it. Uh, sorry, to take a team over. You know, when I went to when I went out to Yellowstone, I had to build that thing from scratch. So all of those were my guys. When I went to Champion, there were only two returners, and one of them was a guy that I had already coached. Uh, and so going to Tacoa. I was going into a roster that had 20-something players on the roster. I brought one player with me. And so I had to get those guys to buy into who I was. And they had to learn me and my system. And in the same regard, I had to learn them and who they were. And so we spent a lot of the year just doing that, just learning each other, you know, learning the ins and outs of how I expect things and what my expectations are and all of that stuff. And so – to see that it finally started to click at the end of the year and then ruined by, you know, a game-winning shot at the buzzer, that is something that I was like, man, it's, you know, I think that really put a, put a damper on our season. But I am, I am pleased with the fact that everybody from that team returns to the next year. And, you know, that, that very next season, you know, uh, we pretty much lived in the top 10 all year. And I think that's a byproduct of, you know, the year before, you know, guys came back in shape, ready. They were hungry. It was the first time they had one significant games. The school was on fire, the fans, the student section, the administration, everybody was on board. And I thought it was crazy because, you know, they, you know, they, they, they named me, you know, they named me coach of the year. Sorry for the conference uh, in that first year. And, I can't remember how many games we won. I think we won nine games or something. And the expectation was for Tacoa to not win pretty much any game. 
Mm. And, you know, they, just, they, they hadn't won more than, than three to four games in I don't know how many years prior to, to that season. And so when I tell you that the bar was low, I mean, it was, it was pretty low. And, and, you know, to hear the response from the administration and, and the students and everybody, they're just like on fire. And I'm looking at people, I'm like, really? For nine games? This is what, you know, and, but it was, it was for nine games. And I think that set the standard of how we want to move forward is that we want to win. It's going to be more, it's going to be much more than nine games this next season. I think that just kind of carried over that momentum. Our guys bought into it. The students bought into it. The administration bought, bought into it. And I think we had a lot of success uh, that, that next year. So that was a great time in my career to be over at Cold Falls just because they allowed me to be me. And uh, I think there was a lot of you know success in that. Well, now you currently find yourself at Bruton Parker College there in Georgia. What made you want to make this switch? I think to have a, to have a bigger impact. I think what hasn't been said this whole time I've been talking to you is just, you know, my personal mission. And it's just to be able to reach athletes and give them an opportunity to be able to go to college, uh, to do so uh, without their parents having to worry so much about the financial strains that come with it. And to be able to, you know, to be that coach to, empower them to become a better person, empower them to become more of who they're supposed to be. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of times in my in my personal basketball quest that I didn't have that. And so I really wanted that for my career to be able to do that for somebody else. And so not that I wasn't able to make that same type of impact in any of the other schools that I was at as a head coach, but I, I hadn't had the athletic scholarships to be able to do so. And so now walking into a parent's house or talking to somebody on the phone, I can tell them about, hey, mom, uh, dad, you know, this this financial strain, don't worry about it. You know, we can cover, you know, we can cover it or cover a pretty good amount of it where, you know, in years past, there, it's out of my hand. You know, we didn't offer athletic scholarships. And so, so it was pretty much out of my hand. And so I feel like I'm able to make a bigger impact while also – seeing if I can compete against the, the higher level of competition athletically. You know, I'm a competitor like anybody else. Uh, I played the sport. And so, you know, when you can't play anymore, you still want to find a way that you can be competitive. And I think coaching is, a, you know, that very next step. And so to be able to still have that competitive uh, nature and, and do those type of things, I, I felt like this was the move for it. Well, do you mind sharing what you feel is the biggest challenge, you know, when it comes to starting at a new place, but then on the flip side, kind of what excites you the most for a fresh start? Yeah, I, I would say the biggest challenge is, is pretty much the same. It's trying to get guys to buy into you and, you know, what you, you know, what, what it is that you do. Uh, not even from an athletic standpoint for my players, but also from the administration and uh, the student body. You know, I've always been one to – be able to, you know, uh, build build a following, you know, at the basketball games or from, you know, via social media or whatever that is and to get people to uh, accept that, accept me for, for the things that I do uh, and to buy into those things. I think that's, that's a challenge and that's, that's one of the things that's been uh, slow, but it's coming. And some of the things that I'm just looking forward to is, Man, this did you know this conference has such a name. 
to compete against some of the, the legend coaches that we have in the conference and the league and to compete against some of these institutions, it's, I'm just looking forward to it. I mean, you've got uh, Loyola uh, in our conference who won the national championship last year. You have Talladega in our conference who also played in that national championship game. And so you talk about two schools from the conference that made it to the NAI national championship game. And then uh, there was another two schools that made it to the Sweet 16 in, uh, you know, in Kansas City. And so I think that says a lot about the conference and the level of competition that we're going to be facing. So I'm just excited to see, you know, if my brand of basketball uh, will be able to uh, compete at this level. Well, you preach the three E's to your team. Could you share what those are and kind of define each one for us? Yeah, uh, energy, effort, and uh, and and enthusiasm. We we preach those from a basketball standpoint, but we also try to emphasize that stuff just in the way of life, in the way that you go about things. You got to be enthusiastic about you know life, just in general. Every day, you know, every day is not promised, and I think that you have to go through with with some excitement about an opportunity for a new day, we, we carry that same concept over to the basketball court. It's just an opportunity to play this game, and you got to be excited. you got to be enthusiastic about about that stuff. So that's, that's from the enthusiastic side of things. And then uh, from the effort, you know, we, we're, we're huge on talking about grades and, and stuff like that in the classroom. And we want to make sure that we're getting forth that effort, uh, that maximum effort, even on the court. Uh, and in the classroom. Uh, and then that energy is just the way that you go about how you do things. And I think, again, you know, we talk about that stuff on and off the floor where the type of energy that you exert, we, I always say energy is contagious. I think if you're doing it on the basketball floor, your, your brother, your teammate's gonna, he's gonna feel that and he's gonna be doing the exact same thing, uh, on the side of him. So I think having those three things in our program are, are huge. And I think that's always going to be a staple of, of my team. Well, another thing you've always been about is family and that the team is one big family who support each other, even to the extent of your ball players, you know, going to your kids' games and cheering them on. How big of a deal do you feel that off-the-court stu- off stuff is, you know, that camaraderie, and how, how much that plays in building chemistry on the court? Man, it's huge. Selfishly, it's, I mean, it's everything for my kids, honestly. You know, they don't get an opportunity to grow up around family. Uh, you know, with my you know, my wife being from Germany and I'm from Kentucky and you know, we're not we're not close to either either of those places. I think selfishly I just I love it for them, uh, because it means everything to them. See my see my players, you know, my coaches show up to their games, be a part of that type of stuff for them. I mean, it lets them have that sense of family, uh, because that's all they know. Uh, but also I think it means a lot to my players because, you know, one of the things that we use in our program is bigger than basketball. I think they I think they see it and I think they know that we genu- that that we genuinely mean that uh things are bigger than basketball in our program and so to have that family aspect about our program, I think our guys are able to see it. I think it creates a you know, a home away from home from you know, for them and so um, I think they bought into it. Uh, I try to make sure that my staff always buys into it. You know, we're, we're always, uh, it's, it's not all business here. You know, uh, ball in life is what I like to always say. And I know some young guys, that's not going to go over well with them because they feel like everything uh, operates around basketball. And 
if the ball ain't bouncing, the name lifts. But ball, ball ain't life is what is what I always say. And, and we want to try to make sure that we're teaching our guys about you know how to become uh, a better person, but also just a good man, a man of God, a man of integrity, and you know a man that you know provides and does well for his family. But I, I try to make sure that I show our guys what that man is supposed to look like uh, in the way that I lead them and in the way that I lead my family. Well, another phrase I know that you like to use is the term lifetime grinder. Can you explain why you've adopted this phrase and what exactly it means to you? Yeah, man, I I started using this when I was in high school. And I feel like everybody was always, it's you know, grinding or the grind. I think it's an overused term. Uh, and I always feel like it's used for a specific moment or specific purpose. And then after that specific purpose or moment is done, then, then what? So I've always told myself, I just want to be a lifetime grinder. I wanted, I wanted to be something that I'm not grinding for a moment. I'm not grinding for an opportunity, but I think if you do it for a lifetime, then success is inevitable. I think there's no way that you can't be successful if you never stop. I think that um, that's kind of what makes me who I am. And I'm hoping that my players can embody that stuff and that my kids can embody it. And I think if you have that and and, and you, you know, I always talk about the last minute mentality and treat everything like it's the last minute. If you're, if you're able to embody those things, there's no way that you can't be successful. And I think just the way that I grew up, I think success, uh, whatever that looks like to to each individual success is ultimately what we what we all want and you know why not work until we get it well I feel like you've kind of already touched on this a little bit but what would you say is your greatest joy when it comes to coaching well obviously it's going to have something to do with my family I think allowing my family to share in all the joys of coaching uh, whether it's my players or the wins or being on the road, I think having them be a part of this coaching journey is one one thing, but keeping keeping on track of being bigger than basketball when my guys graduate and they get that piece of paper, uh, when they come back, I got a call today that I got to make to one of my guys, two of my guys, I already got two calls I got to make. I just had two guys that just had some, some kids. I, I'm getting to that point where a bunch of my players are starting to have babies of their own and and it's, it's just phenomenal to see that, you know, the kids that I recruited seven, eight years ago are starting to become men. They've got a great job. They've got families of their own. That success to me, that's uh, what I value the most in this coaching learning is, is that I'm able to help people kind of grow, grow into being family men of their own. So yeah, that's it. Well, probably kind of ties into this a little bit, you know, for the young coach listening who maybe is just getting started, what words of wisdom or or advice could you share with him or her? Work, be a lifetime grinder. There is no job that's too small. There is no opportunity that's too small. I think you got to take anything that allows you to do what it is that you truly want to do, no matter how much it pays or doesn't pay at all. I think the guys that stick around this business and the guys that are in this business know that you can't always start at the top, that sometimes starting at the bottom is probably the best place to start because it allows you to humble yourself. It allows you to gain a lot of knowledge. You're probably going to be touching every aspect and part of uh, of the program. And so 
you know, by the time that you're in your year 10 to 15, there's nothing about the basketball program or athletics just in general that you probably haven't seen or haven't done. I think I can say that for, you know, the assistants that I have now and some of the assistants that I have that I had in, in years past. And I'm, I'm so blessed to now I've got assistants that are now head coaches. I've got assistants that have gone on to become higher, higher level assistants and things of that nature. And so uh, just to see the growth in, in some of these young guys is, is amazing. But I think, I think it's just that, you know, I just say anything is just don't be afraid to, to take a, take a chance and, and just do the work and just be honest. Don't cut corners, you know, that type of stuff. Well, Coach, I was already excited for your season, but talking to you has me even more pumped up. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, and good luck in this upcoming season. Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I hope I hope that we can uh, bring a good brand of basketball for you to, for you to not only follow but want to follow. So um, I'm excited about it, too. I appreciate you for having me. Well, the season tips off this Thursday, November 3rd at 7.30 p.m. as the Barons host the Lions from Payne College. Come out and support your team if you're local. Otherwise, you can catch the game live-streamed on YouTube. Just be sure to search Bruton Parker Athletics. Well, you've been listening to Connecting with Coaches here on Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. Travis and Coach Leonard Epps signing off.